0: on to my mommy's
1: podcast this podcast is sponsored by hya health that's h-i-y-a health it's a new type of children's vitamins because typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise they can have as much as two teaspoons of sugar a lot of unhealthy chemicals or gummy junk that our kids should not be eating at all Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters they actually like them Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide full-body nourishment for our kids with a taste that you don't have to fight them about. They're manufactured in the U.S. with globally sourced ingredients and each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. The best part, Haya arrives straight to your door on the pediatrician-recommended schedule. Your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle so that your kids can personalize them with stickers, and then every month thereafter, they send you a no-plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins, which means Haya isn't just great for your kids, it's also great for the environment. You can grab them for your kids and learn more at HayaHealth.com slash Wellness and you can get a discount there to save on your first month. That's H-I-Y-A health.com slash wellness mama. This podcast is sponsored by just thrive health. And you've probably heard me mention this company before because their products are staples in my house. Their spore-based probiotics are the best I've tried and my whole family uses them. I'm also really loving their K27, which is sourced from chickpea natto and is the only pharmaceutical grade, all natural vitamin K2 supplement with published safety studies, It also contains just enough zinc to allow the K2 to be absorbed and utilized efficiently. Think of K2 as the traffic cop of your body. When it comes to utilizing other things like vitamin D and calcium, vitamin K2 ensures that they're being managed correctly and traveling to the right places. Moreover, vitamin K27 can be found in literally every tissue in the body, making it a necessary and critical activator in many bodily health functions. This makes it helpful for heart health, bone and brain and nerve development, and overall healthy growth and development. In fact, my older kids have all started taking this daily because they notice how much better they feel, especially after workouts. And it seems to especially make a difference when they are in growth spurts. I also find their IgG products helpful for immune and gastrointestinal health and truly haven't found any product of theirs that I don't notice a big difference from and absolutely love. You can check out all their products and see for yourself at justthrivehealth.com wellnessmama. And the code wellnessmama15 will save you 15%. So that's J U S T T H R I V E H E A L T H dot com slash Wellness Mama and code Wellness Mama 15. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama Podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That is wellness with an E on the end. And I'm here today with someone I met recently and absolutely loved her energy and her just contagious excitement for life. Her name is Angela Gargano, and she is an athlete, a coach, an international fitness model, and a speaker. I met her recently at an event and really connected with her on some of the fitness stuff. And specifically, she does a lot of work helping women be able to do pull-ups, which is something that has been elusive for me to date. And I'm currently doing her pull-up program to hopefully change that. But she's just a fascinating, inspiring human. And she talks about her journey with strength, uh, with American Ninja Warrior, and now with helping thousands of women get stronger. I love her message, which is that strong feels good. And she really dials it down with some specifics in this episode about how to get kind of the minimum effective dose, how to integrate the most benefit and get the most benefit quickly from these things in your life without having to spend hours in the gym. In fact, she actually recommends against hours and hours a day of gym time. She definitely walks the walk and lives this and she helps many other people do the same and she gives some really applicable tips for increasing strength and lean muscle mass in this episode. Such a fun one for me. I know that you'll enjoy it as well. And let's join Angela. Angela, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. So, so pumped to be on the podcast today. Well, I got to meet you recently and knew immediately I had to have you on this podcast. And we're going to talk a lot about some fun fitness stuff. But before we do, I have a note in my show notes that you were a biochemist for three years and I didn't actually know this. So talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of people actually don't know that. I feel like I've lived like very many lives someone was telling me the other day and I'm like, yeah, I I definitely think I have. Yeah. So I actually went to school for biological chemistry. That was my main thing at first. And when I graduated, I actually was working at Brown university and we were studying different compounds to make, to help with prostate cancer. And then I shifted gears and I started working at this place called Genzyme where I was creating a compound called Faberzyme for this rare genetic disorder. So I was like a hazmat suit in type of thing. And that was like a big part of my life for the longest time was just working lab coat and goggles kind of behind the scenes, which is kind of interesting. And then I realized that I feel like felt like I could create a bigger impact if I was actually ha- more hands-on with people and not like on the lab coat and goggles behind the scenes type of thing.
1: Did the biochemistry influence your fitness outlook at all? Or do you feel like you had a different perspective because of your background in that?
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like the biochemistry helped me along the lines of just knowing kind of like the right and wrong, because there's just a lot of stuff out there. And it's kind of like trying to understand that there's a lot of things that are just thrown at people right now, like supplement wise, or even, you know, workout wise, and just kind of knowing already the science behind it and actually looking through the research, I think really helped me be more educated on that and also bring that to the people that I was helping.
1: And then you're also my, I have four daughters and they're all fans of you because of the American Ninja Warrior side. They're all pole vaulters and athletes and think you're so awesome because of American Ninja Warrior. But talk a little bit about your journey with that.
0: Of course. And also pole blockers make a really good Ninja Warriors. So they should think about doing it sometime. Yeah. So American Ninja Warrior, I actually got on that show on accident, which is really funny because I was actually really big into fitness competitions at the time. So that's where you're like walking on stage in the bikini, but then we also had the version of it where you're like flipping around on stage. So I was doing a different type of thing because in college I was a college gymnast. So I was trying to itch and find like that, that's something else to kind of work on. After a while of doing the fitness competitions, it was great. I think I learned a lot from it. I kind of was trying to look for the next thing. And someone told me, hey, you were great in gymnastics on the bar. You should try American Ninja Warrior. So I put an audition video in, did not think I was going to get on, didn't think that I would ever be good enough, or they'd want this little girls in Rhode Island time, this little girl from Rhode Island. Like, why are they going to want me on the show? And then I went up getting called and they're like, yeah, you need to come on and you're going to compete in two weeks. And I was like, oh no. I was like, I need to figure out how to ninja. (laughs) So I had to go around everywhere and find gyms and find people. And I found an amazing community within Ninja and um, was actually, yeah. So I was on for four seasons, which was really, really great. The community is amazing. On season 10, I actually wound up tearing my ACL on the show, which is really traumatic, but it really made me grow and really use my, what I was doing you know, on TV to help people because I was like, I'm going to come back. 11 months later. And I'm going to show people that if they're injured, if something's happening in their life that they can come back to. So definitely a lot that came from American Ninja Warrior.
1: I love that. And it seems like a very recurring theme across areas of life as those hardest things in life often become your greatest springboards to the greatest things in life. And I love your message around strong feels good, because I think for a lot of years, there wasn't as much focus on strength for women. And it was all about aesthetics. And there was there seems even still to be so much misinformation about strength and women and getting bulky. And we're going to talk a lot about that. But how did that start for you? Because you went from gymnast and biochemist to now helping thousands and thousands of women with fitness. So how did how did that start? happened.
0: I know super crazy. It's like, Hannah, I was like, wow, I definitely guess I did lead a bunch of lives. Um, yeah. So when I was doing, when I transitioned from fitness competitions to Ninja warrior, you know, fitness competitions is very like, you gotta have that bikini body. They're literally judging you while you're on a stage. Like that's really a lot of what it's about. And then when I switched to Ninja warrior, I realized it really wasn't about that. It was about how strong can I get? How strong can I get? So I can actually make it through and functionally get through these obstacles. And that's when it all kind of clicked and came together in my, in my head, it was like this whole entire time I've been obsessing over the scale. I've been obsessing over my body and what it looks like when I just focused on getting stronger, my body looked better, even better than it did when I was so focused on the other things. And I wanted to bring that message to other people because I saw that again, the industry that we're in right now is so much about let's have that bikini body or let's lose the weight and all that stuff like that. And I'm like, this is so much different because when I was the strongest I was for ninja. And even that's how I train right now. I not only look good, I feel good. And that's at the end of the day where you're actually trying to get at, right. You want to feel good. If you look great and you are miserable and you're like, I'm not eating, I'm eating celery to get my six pack. That's not no way to live. That's no way to live. You couldn't have all of that if you're just not focusing on it. So I came with this, I actually first started with pull-ups, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, a lot of females were coming to me since I'm a ninja word, Like I would love to get a pull-up and that's just a the goal they had. So started working on them with that. And then after the pull-up stuff that I would do with them, they're like, what's next? And that's when I created strong feels good. And the program is all about getting stronger. We don't allow anybody to weigh themselves. And it's all about, let's get you to feel amazing, stay consistent, enjoy your life eat the cookie, go to, you know, do all the things and just really enjoy your life while you are getting healthier and all sorts of different things. So strong feels good kind of came along from all of that.
1: And I love it because that shift in perspective toward strength and nourishing the body and fueling it, it ironically, you get to eat so much more and you have so much more freedom, but also that feeling that intangible feeling is key. And I think so many women for me at least, have fallen victim of that kind of diet cycle where you're tired and you're lethargic and you're deprived and you have a bad relationship with food. For me personally, my journey was when I was still struggling with Hashimoto's, noticing my daughter see me look at myself in the mirror one day and see her register that I was looking critically at myself. And it it probably never occurred to her to look at herself that way. And that was that moment for me of whatever it takes, I'm going to change this paradigm because I don't want to pass this on. And then even more recently, I've had a a realization where she's now 13 and she was trying to stay really small and she wasn't eating a lot and she wanted to wear like tiny shoes. And it like hit me in the face one day of like, oh, I've been trying to be small for the last two years. And so then I got to shift my attitude again. And now like, to your point, it's not about losing the weight which is terrible languaging anyway because no one wants to lose anything but it's how strong can i get and the number i care about is how much weight can i pick up off the ground not what's the number on the scale and it was a slow shift but the the mental freedom of being in this place is amazing and there's so many directions we can go with this but i think to start let's talk about pull-ups because i don't want to i don't want to lose time for this and this one still eludes me like i can lift almost 350 pounds and i can grip strength 150 pounds. And I still have trouble with a pull up. So let's talk about women and upper body strength.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I love it. You just said that because I actually just made a video on that not too long ago about how a bunch of my friends are really great at lifting heavy. And when they do jump on the bar, they just can't do it. They're struggling. And I'm like, you are strong. You do have the muscles that work to do this. So, yeah, I feel like pull ups are, and I'm sure a lot of people listening on here are probably thinking this like, yeah, that's been my goal. I, so many people I talk to, like, what's your goal in the gym? I would, you know, I would love to just get a pull up, just one pull up. They always say that. And I was like, why not? And they're like, I just don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. It's like, you look at that bar and you're like, this is impossible. Like, how am I going to get my entire body to pull my weight up? I definitely do feel like women are stronger in their legs. Most of the time. It's so funny because for me, it's like completely opposite, but most females are very strong in their legs. So they'll do a lot of the leg days and stuff like that. And then upper body. I think that a lot of times they probably don't do it as much because it's, it's harder And then we tend to kind of like go towards the things that are a little bit easier, right? When we're like in the gym. So I really wanted to create an experience for people where I would take them through step-by-step and it wasn't like, let's just do these four drills you see everywhere online and let's break it all down. Let's break everything down. Let's go back to the beginning. Like number one, like, can you just hang on the bar? Just hang on the bar, get comfortable, chill out, hang on it, move around. And then working on different things like mobility, stability, and strength in order to get it. So I feel like what happens a lot of times is everybody always wants to go from the bottom to the top, which it's like okay, I get it, and that's like anywhere in life, right? You want to skip all the in between. So we try and celebrate the little wins and celebrate the in between. Like, why don't you celebrate like getting that slight bend in your elbow when you jump up there? That's ex- that should be exciting for you, right? And then you keep practicing, right? And then maybe you get a little bit more of the bend in the elbow. And like, oh, celebrate that! It doesn't have to be about the bottom to the top. The in between is just as important. So we really break down everything in the program. So you're celebrating all those little steps and those little wins that you're showing up and and doing something that's hard, right? This is, this is hard. This is doing hard things. Once you do accomplish it, which you will, we will accomplish it as long as you stick through and you stay consistent. um, Everything's going to change. And it's not going to just be about the pull-up anymore. It's going to be like, wow, I was able to stick through, get this skill. What else is possible for me in my life? Or maybe I can do two ups now, or maybe like all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to try and, you know, use a kettlebell, like maybe things change and you're like, wow, there's so many things that I didn't realize that I, I could do so. I feel like I'm so passionate about specifically because it's that one thing that all those female, especially females are like, I'm never going to get it and breaking it down. And again, and changing your mindset into just not to be from the bottom to the top. Let's, let's just show up. Let's get that slight bend in the elbow. It's going to relate so much to your life that you're going to be like, wait, what? This whole thing is basically my life journey in a pull up and a skill.
1: I love that. And even the baby steps, like you said, there's so much cool research. And I've heard from various physical therapists on this podcast that even just hanging, For a few minutes a day, it doesn't have to be consecutive. But if you can work up to just hanging for three minutes total per day, that does so much for your shoulder mobility and your posture and your spine. And that's just hanging. And that's an awesome baby step. And like, I've seen a difference in my shoulders and how I feel just from learning to hang better. But and obviously, there's going to be a progression and everybody, every body is different. But how long on average, do you think it's reasonable to expect to go from like, okay, I can now just hang on a bar to now I can do a pull up? Absolutely. And this, this is the question I always get. It's like, how long is it going to take me?
0: <laughs> how long is it going to take me to do my pull up? Everybody is completely different for sure, but I can tell you with a range, there's a few different things. Number one, how hard are you willing to work? Like, if you really wanted to get your pull up, like, I helped um, the editor of um, Women's Health get her pull up, and she needed to get it in 14 days, and we were able to get it. Right. But that's because I said to her, how hard are you willing to work? We're not going to be able to just only do stuff. Three days a week. Like you're going to need to be at home doing different things as well. And it wasn't just doing pull ups, by the way, because your pull up is actually a full body movement. You're actually using everything. You're using your arms, you're using your core, and you're using your glutes. So it wasn't like I was making her do pull ups every single day, but we're doing something that was going to work towards it to get her to be strong all around in order to get it. So how hard are you willing to work? And you need to be consistent with it. So you can't just go in there and be like, I'm just going to do a pull up once a week. That's probably going to take you, like, that might take you the year or two. You can't go in there and be like, I'm just going to hop on the assisted band, which I'm not a huge fan of the assisted band. Honestly, like everyone's throwing, like their trainers are throwing people on the assisted band. It's a great tool. However, you get very dependent on it. And a lot of times you take the band away and you're like, I can't do any of them. I don't understand. So working really off the band. So I can tell you that I've seen people literally go from zero, hanging in the bar, doing nothing in 14 days, which is why I have a 14 day and a 30 day program. I've seen it happen in 30 days. And I've seen people who they don't get past after 30 days. They It might take them like 60 days. Everyone's a little bit different. It's really going to depend on you, how hard you're willing to work, what else you're doing. So it's a lot that comes to it, but I can tell you something, you, as long as you do the drills that you're supposed to be doing and you show up for it, it's, it will happen. It's going to happen. It's not, it's not, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's, it's when is it going to happen? So just continuing to show up. So I can't be like, and if anybody, any trainer ever comes up to you and says, oh, you're going to look like this or do like this in exactly 14 days or 30 days, and that's not a good trainer saying that right there. But I can say that I have seen some people get to it at those, certain, those different points. It's just going to depend on you.
1: And short of an extenuating circumstance or an acute injury, this is the thing you believe all women are capable of doing, Absolutely.
0: Oh, absolutely. I definitely think every, every woman should get their pull-up and they're so capable. I even have one of my clients, Kimba, who I'm like obsessed with. She lives in Florida, actually. Um, She was 60. I think I got it wrong. It was 60 years old or 61 years old. And she went from zero to, she was cranking out like three or four pull-ups. And that's another thing showing, too, that the age didn't matter also. Right. So it's like it's not it's not you're not too heavy. You're not too old (laughs) to get your pull up. You can get your pull up at any age. You just have to put the work in and break it down. And that
1: will just like anything in life. And I'll link to your whole program. But can you like walk us through maybe some of the overview of the steps? Because that's interesting. I hear most people do recommend the assisted band. And I found like those at least feel good because then I'm getting the motion of getting my face above the bar. But what do you recommend instead? How do you take people through that progression?
0: Yeah, of course. So yeah, we try and stay off the band as much as possible. Again, it's not that it's wrong. It's not, it's, it's still a good tool. The thing that happens with the band is helping at you at the bottom part of the pull up. That's the hardest part of the pull up, right? So it's flinging you up at that bottom piece. And that's where everyone sucks. So if you're not strengthening the bottom piece, how are you going to get up? That's the first, the first little piece is like the most important, right? So my program, we actually break down the first full week is completely foundational. We're breaking down the foundations. We're teaching you, you know, there's, a, I tell people there's a lot of stuff going on in your shoulder. Cause there is, I mean, I know you just see a shoulder here but there's all sorts of stuff happening in here. So first you wanna make sure that you're mobile and stable. So that's really, really important. So the whole first week is let's get you mobile and stable. Let's also increase your core strength and let's also get you to work those glutes. Cause again, the glutes is all, it's all connected which is, it's like, it's, it's super wild. Um, then I have you doing a lot of hanging for sure. I have you doing a lot of attempts without the band. And again, that's going to be that attempt where you're not all the way up, but maybe you're getting a slight bend or maybe you're getting a shrug on your shoulder, but I make you in the program as we progress it, go on that bar. And I say, don't use a band and try it. Just try see, just see where you can go without it. And again, that could be, um, very frustrating for people. Cause they're like, oh, like, again, the band just makes you feel so good. So we also do a ton of again, drills off the band. I also teach you how to use the band properly because another issue I see is you use the heaviest, easiest band. So you can crank out like 10 pull-ups. You shouldn't be cranking out the 10 pull-ups. If you're trying to learn the pull-up, you should be using a band that maybe like you can get three and like on the third one, it's like, you're really working. So you're actually using the muscle. And then I also teach you about actually engaging the lat at the bottom of the pull-up with the band. That means like we call them shoulder shrug pull-ups. So teaching you how to actually do that, engage so that you can, again, use the band properly. But the big step here is making sure that, again, we start very foundational and then we increase stuff every single week. And a little by little, you can start to, you know, you start to see the differences there. We also really make sure you're measuring progress. So on day one, we always do a strength test, um, which I I don't know if you were able to come to the actual class. We did a strength type of test at uh, the event that I was with you at. And we measure at the beginning and the end so that you can see your progress. Because again, maybe you didn't get all the way up at the end of 14 days or 30 days or whatever, but maybe you can see in the videos that, oh, wow, I actually got stronger. Look at the development of my back, like like all sorts of different things. Um, But yeah, with the programming, it's really about, progressing it and not just throwing yourself at it and not just doing the pull-up bands and making sure you're working your entire body. Cause again, it's not just about it. The pull-up is not just your upper body. Like a lot of people think it's just so much more. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know like how to pull break. It.
1: <laughs> and I would guess this also applies to those kind of pull-up training machines that you see in gyms, as far as like, they're actually going to make you potentially take longer because you're now relying on that additional strength. That's not yours.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the amount of times I've said, I've heard, literally heard people be like, I haven't got my pull-up. I've been trying for a year. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, well, what have you been working on? Oh, I've been doing the, assist- the assistant band or the machine. And I'm like, okay, well, let's let's not do that anymore. If it's not working, let's let's figure out what, what else we can do in order to finally get you there.
1: What about um, push-ups? Because I can do push-ups, but I feel like, and this might be like actually just a story in my head versus a true thing, but it feels like, when, especially working out with guys, it's so much easier for them to just crank out pull-ups compare. And I know there is an upper body strength difference in general with men and women, but I also don't feel like that should be a limitation. Is that same curve possible for pull-ups and any any tips on those? I mean, push-ups.
0: Yeah. Same thing. I mean, even with, so when you're doing the pull-up you, with with the programming, we are doing push-ups as well, right? Because if you pull, you got to push. So you got to make sure that you don't want to get your shoulders all like rounded, but yeah, the, the push-up strength is the same exact thing. It's just breaking it down, working on different skills for the push-up, especially the hardest part is just like the pull up it's at the bottom of the push up right so when you're when you're holding at the bottom and your arms are bent that's the hardest piece of the push up to get right so you got to work on that more right so it's like oh like you start to think about like these skills and where is the hardest piece where do a lot of people get stuck when you're doing the push up hardest part is the bottom so you should be doing a lot of like push ups and holding at the bottom for like 2 or 3 seconds and then coming back up or just doing some holds and seeing if you know in one week you can do 10 seconds, the next week you can do 12 seconds, right. And seeing if you can continue to increase that strength and then the pushups will get easier. But yes, I do feel like the guys that have it easier upper body. I've had guys run through my course as well. It's, it's for females, but I've had a couple guys run through it and they definitely get a lot, a lot of follow-ups like after it, but yeah, it's not impossible. And it's just something that you have to work towards. And also once you get it, which is really cool. Once you get the first one, the next couple aren't that hard. Like they just start to, you're like, oh, I came in for one. Oh, I got two. Oh, four. oh no, I got five. Like, this is pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. It seems like how much of that is probably actually mental. Like we probably have the skeletal strength long before we mentally realize we do maybe. And I, yeah, I feel like also, I'm glad you mentioned the holding it at the hard part, because that's the thing I've been playing with in training as well is the hold at the hard part of any given lift. And then seeing when you then cycle back into regular lifts, how much of a difference that makes. And I feel like that's not a thing that's talked about, at least in the the circles I had been in for a long time, but it's really amazing the difference it makes.
0: Oh, it's it's amazing. Yeah. If you start to try and break down, like, you know, where am I? where am I stuck? Where am I struggling? Where's the hardest part? Let's see if we can improve in that area. And again, we keep doing that also like in the, in the pull-up program, like I say, like, okay, cool. You're stuck at the bottom. You have a slight bend in your elbow. Okay, cool. What, what's the next step for you? How can we get you to get that slight bend and get a little higher? Let's work on that part. Cause you clearly got the first part down. You got the last part down I and mean, maybe the middle part, you're stuck, you know? So it's like really, and that kind of brings in my like biochemistry degree, right? It's all kind of like an experiment you're like trying to figure out, okay, it's like, let's a problem solve and figure out where you're stuck and how we can get you to the next level. I love what you said too about mindset. Yes. Pull-ups is such a mindset thing. There's a lot of people who are hundred percent strong enough, but they're, they are like convinced in their head. They can't. And really, again, breaking down and celebrating those small wins are super, super important. In my coaching program, we have a whole mindset section. Actually, my other Ninja warrior friend made it and she comes in and she just walks everyone through shifting those negative thoughts. Another thing to think about is we don't do a lot of pulling and a normal day, right? We do a lot of pushing. Maybe, um, there's a lot of like normal day things where we squat down and we grab things. There's a lot of like things where other movements, you know, come to fruition in everyday life, but we don't do a lot of pulling. So our mind body connection with our central nervous system, it's not connected. So what that means is like, there's literally pathways that are created for everything that we do. Right. And when you're doing pull-ups, since you're not doing it a lot, there's no pathway created. So you need to give your body some time to create that pathway and be like, Oh, you want me to work this muscle that I've never worked before that I didn't even know existed. So a lot of times, again, you can have all the muscles, you can be strong and you're not getting up. It just could be that connection's not there yet. So there's a ton of other tricks we also go through with that, where I'm telling people to like tap their lap. It sounds so silly. Like I'm like tap your lap, do all these other different things. And it actually allows the brain to be like, oh, okay, cool. I need to create that pathway. So it's it's such an internal thing as well, which is super interesting.
1: Yeah. And that nervous system training, and then like the importance of recovery and sleep and integrating the new patterns and all that, I feel like, especially I've seen this in the mom world at least quite a bit or in female communities when it comes to getting stronger. I feel like there's still so much misinformation out there and you could speak to this much, much better than I could. But I hear women who are resistant to doing strength-based exercises because they don't want to get bulky or they don't want to eat enough food because they don't want to get bigger. And it's funny because now that I'm actually trying to get stronger to realize how Much effort that actually takes. Like you're not going to accidentally pick up a weight and then end up like a bodybuilder. But let's just kind of dispel a little bit of that misinformation regarding women and strength and bulkiness.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I get this like all the time. Where people is that going to make me bulky and whatever? So in order to get bulky, like first of all, like you have to eat a lot of food, like a lot of food, and you have to be lifting like crazy heavy. That is not an easy. That's, that's not an easy thing. I actually have had clients come to me who are, you know, because everyone has different body types, right? I had someone who was very, very lean and they're like, I want to get muscle and I'm, tr- I really want to get it. And it's actually so hard. That's actually harder for me as a trainer to try and help somebody get the muscle and, and bulk up like they're trying to do than it is for me to help them, you know, get tone and, you know, work on their strength and stuff like that. That's actually harder. So when you're thinking about getting bulky, that means you have to eat a ton, like a ton, 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 lots of food. Um, you'd be lifting pretty heavy. Um, we also have to go back to like body types. Everyone has different body types also. So, I mean, you have to also just really be, I really, I feel like really accept like whatever that body type is that you have. Cause again, everybody is so different, but if you are thinking about that, like, you're going to get bulky from this kind of stuff, that's definitely just, it's not, it's not going to happen. And I, yeah, I hate when I hear that all the time. And I also want them to come back to their power and their strength. I actually, what's interesting for me is. I actually always had muscle growing up. That was like my body type that I had. And I got made fun of so, so much. So it's so funny now. I was talking to somebody else on a different podcast the other day. And it was like, we were talking about how like we grew up muscular and everyone told us how wrong that was and how we were manly and like, we didn't look good or whatever. And now I had people who come up to me, like when I was out at South by this weekend and they're like, "Oh, your arms, I would love to have your body. And it's like so confusing when you're in your brain. Cause you're like, wow, as a kid, you told me this is like not what you want my body to look like. Now people are like, oh, I like the way your body looks like. So I always come back to also being like, really love your body too. At every state that it is love, love what you have, love your uniqueness. I know it's so hard for people because people are always saying things, but really love it at any state, even if like you're on whatever journey that you're on.
1: Yeah. I've talked about that, the mindset piece of that before and how when I was trying to work through the Hashimoto's and like having trouble losing weight, I had that story in my head of like, oh, if only I was this size, then I would be happier. Then I would love my body. And ironically, it was when I learned to love and accept where I was that my body like caught up to where my mind wanted to be without this struggle. And now I'm like, you can't punish yourself into the size you want you can't shame or deprive yourself into being the size and shape you want like you've got to start from that place of love and then ironically it gets way more fun to do all the things that are going to lead to that thing you thought you wanted in the first place but it also seems like a lot of women are either under eating or under eating certain nutrients and this was the thing I didn't notice till I really started tracking like I had been in that diet deprivation mindset for so long when I actually started tracking, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm eating like 1000 to 1200 calories a day. And that's actually harmful. And I had to consciously learn to like almost reverse diet and eat enough. And it seems like a common theme that we're making strides and breaking it down. But women especially are afraid to eat enough protein or afraid to actually nourish their bodies enough. Are you seeing that as well?
0: Oh man, yeah. I mean again, more people are coming into me that they're overtraining and under-eating than any. Like like this is it's so interesting because you would think that people come in and it's it's completely opposite, like they're overeating and they're not working out enough. It's a lot of people are coming to me and they're completely overtraining. They're doing a ton of cardio, they're doing all this, basically everything they could possibly do. And then they're eating like nothing. And then they've taken like all the carbs out of there. They're like, oh, candy carbs, carbs like scare them. And again, I feel bad because it's not their fault. It's not their fault when they come into me and they're saying these things. This is just something that's been programmed into everyone's brain because they haven't been educated on things. And that's why I really, really with the, with the pull-up program, with the workout program, I really believe in like educating. Let me teach you why you're doing what you're doing so that you will understand it. And you can figure out for your body, what's going to work. But yeah, I feel like so many people are not eating enough. It's really hard and it's hard for them to, again, be like, oh, I have to eat like carbs are fine. Like carbs are good. Like you should actually be having that. And and, and when people are like very stuck on that 1200 calorie diet, that was like a big thing for a while with advertising. That is not enough at all, especially if you're working out and that you were in your training. So I think really trying to come back and be like, okay, cool. Why are we doing this? Why do we need nutrients? Why does this happen? our body needs that to build muscle, right? Muscle burns fat, which is what everybody wants to do. You need to eat. You need to recover. You needed to, you need the, especially the recovery. The recovery is just as important as your workout. Um, it's not more important than the workout. And yeah, it's super interesting for people to be like, get freaked out about, okay, I'm going to tell you to work out less. And I'm going to tell you to eat like way more and just trust me. And I always tell people, um, just trust me, like, just trust me, whatever you've been doing right now, like, has it been working? And they'll be like, no. Okay, cool. So why not try something else? Like, what else do you have to lose to try something a little bit different and see see what happens? And if that doesn't work, ok, cool, then we figure it out. But, like it's definitely like you have to trust. And if something you've been doing over and over again is not working. if you don't feel well, there's definitely some kind of change you need to make,
1: and it is such a mindset shift. i like I didn't even fully even though I logically understood it and I had read the studies, I didn't fully believe it till I actually saw it play out in my own body of like, oh, actually not eating enough will keep you from your fitness goals just as much as eating too much, if not more so, I would say. And for me, like actually consciously eating enough protein and micronutrients was a drastic change. And so now I look at, like, I don't care about calories in really at all. I'm looking at the most nutrients possible in whatever given volume of food I'm going to eat. And like, how can I most nourish my body? And that shift from like that deprivation mindset to that abundance mindset has been huge.
0: Yeah. Like what are these things doing for you? Right. It's like, you know, that carbs are actually going to be giving you that energy, right? The energy is you want that energy. So you need to have that knowing that the vegetables are going to be giving you that fiber, which is super important for digestion and all those different vitamins that are going to keep you living longer, keeping your skin looking good, like all that stuff like that. So yeah, knowing the education, each piece of those, like you said, nutrient, that's what I do now. Like everyone's like can you show me what you eat in a day? Everybody. I, I feel like I get that all the time. First of all, I'm not going to, cause everyone's so different, but when I, what I honestly do, i look at my plate and I'm just like, Oh, cool. I got my protein. I know why I need that. I got my carb. I know why I need that. I've got some veggies. I've got some good fat, maybe like an avocado or something like that. That's literally what I do. Like if, so people are like, what do you eat in a day? I'm literally just make sure every time I look at my plate that I have those things because I know what they're going to do for me. I know that they're going to give me that more energy and they're working for me.
1: And you also mentioned overtraining. I think there's a lot of myths about how much we actually need to move and work out. And I'm a big fan of move all the time. Like we should be active as humans and moving through our environment. But when it comes to actually working out to get the most benefit this is the thing i think is especially relevant for all the moms listening is like time can be very much a limiting factor and i think we have this idea that we need to be at the gym maybe for hours a day to achieve what we want and so i'd love to talk about almost like a minimum effective dose for women of like what are those triggers what are the minimums that we need to do to work into our routine that actually turn on these triggers for maintaining lean muscle which we know improves longevity and reduces all-cause mortality and all the things we want as we get older Yeah,
0: absolutely. Again, you have to figure out what's going to work with your schedule because clearly like, you know, it's, you can have one trainer come in and be like, okay, you need to work out five days a week, do all this stuff. But if you have, you know, kids and work and stuff like that, that is like so hard sometimes. So I think just figuring out a couple of days where you can get some movement in and being really effective with whatever that training is. So you can really get an awesome workout within 20 minutes. And I've honestly done that I teach stuff on women's health all the time. The classes are not an hour. Like, and my, my training myself is not an hour at all. I get in, I get effective and then I get out. And I just make sure that I have a little bit of movement, like you said, every single day. And that movement is, did I get outside and get like a walk or something like that? And I feel like that's like super important. So you always think that you need to be in the gym for like hours and stuff like that. I say, if you can at least get two to three days a week in and, and even just do 20 minutes in this two to three days a week and do it effectively and, you know, you know, split it correctly, you will definitely be able to see all all sorts of progress. I also want to say, I feel like a lot of people will do a bunch of just random things. I do. I'm a very big um, advocate for like random workouts do lead to random results. So for those 20 minutes, if you can find something that is going to, you know, be you really should be doing like the same couple of things for like three weeks in a row. So for example, let's say you're working on a Monday for 20 minutes. And I always tell people to do like, let's say like chest and triceps, right? You want to do that same chest and triceps 20 minute workout for three weeks, the same exact one, not changing it, but increasing your weight, seeing if you can get like, get through it a little faster. Like all that stuff is super important. And then maybe the next day is like a leg day. Right. And then again, the, each week you're just trying to see, can I increase my weight a little bit? Um, so everybody wants all the fancy smancy, like different stuff all the time, but it's these basic things that if you can do them and do them really well and get them done in like 20 minutes, like you're going to see a ton of results and way more than you may think. And yeah, I feel like a lot of people are like, I just don't have time. I don't know. You can make the time and. Another thing I've told my clients before with even my own workouts that I give them with strong feels good them workouts. I'm like, Hey, if you can't make them do the entire workout that I gave you, no problem. You know, you have 20 minutes, set a timer for 20 minutes, just set a timer for 20 minutes and just see what happens, see where it goes. And when the timer's off, you stop no big deal, but you still then got something in it's, it's kind of like shifting out of that all or nothing mindset. I feel like, which a lot of people, a lot of people have.
1: And I don't, we'll put links in the show notes for you guys listening because you have a lot of workouts that can be done at home. So if like the gym itself is a limiting factor. There's so much you can do in your home environment. This podcast is sponsored by Hiya Health. That's H-I-Y-A Health. It's a new type of children's vitamins because typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They can have as much as two teaspoons of sugar, a lot of unhealthy chemicals, or gummy junk that our kids should not be eating at all. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters, they actually like them. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide full body nourishment for our kids with a taste that you don't have to fight them about. They're manufactured in the U.S. with globally sourced ingredients and each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. The best part, Haya arrives straight to your door on the pediatrician-recommended schedule. Your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle so that your kids can personalize them with stickers, and then every month thereafter, they send you a no-plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins, which means Haya isn't just great for your kids, it's also great for the environment. You can grab them for your kids and learn more at HayaHealth.com slash Wellness Mama, and you can get a discount there to save on your first month. That's H-I-Y-A. Health.com slash wellness mama. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive Health. And you've probably heard me mention this company before because their products are staples in my house. Their spore based probiotics are the best I've tried, and my whole family uses them. I'm also really loving their K27, which is sourced from Chickpea Natto and is the only pharmaceutical grade all natural vitamin K2 supplement with published safety studies. It also contains just enough zinc to allow the K2 to be absorbed and utilized efficiently. Think of K2 as the traffic cop of your body. When it comes to utilizing other things like vitamin D and calcium, vitamin K2 ensures that they're being managed correctly and traveling to the right places. Moreover, vitamin K27 can be found in literally every tissue in the body, making it a necessary and critical activator in many bodily health functions. This makes it helpful for heart health, bone and brain and nerve development, and overall healthy growth and development. In fact, my older kids have all started taking this daily because they notice how much better they feel, especially after workouts. And it seems to especially make a difference when they are in growth spurts. I also find their IgG products helpful for immune and gastrointestinal health and truly haven't found any product of theirs that I don't notice a big difference from and absolutely love. You can check out all their products and see for yourself at justthrivehealth.com wellnessmama. And the code wellnessmama15 will save you 15%. So that's J U S T T H R I V E H E A L T H dot com slash wellness mama and code wellness mama 15. I've been on a personal journey with lifting heavier weights just because I know how good I feel when I do that. And I'd love to just talk a little bit more about like the strength myths when it comes to women because I'm lifting like relatively heavy like over two times my body weight and I'm definitely getting less bulky not more bulky but I just feel like that's such a 80 20 there's such a huge payoff and less time like you don't have to like you said go lift it would actually be counterproductive to go lift heavy weights for an hour you can do it in so much less time and you're getting so much benefit but just maybe like let's dispel any remaining myths about women shouldn't be lifting weights
0: Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Live that. Especially as a lot of women are becoming menopausal. I have a lot of menopausal women in my strong feels good program right now. And you, yeah, lifting the heavier weights is actually going to be really beneficial for you. And it's going to seem a little weird sometimes when you lift heavier, you're obviously going to have to kind of rest a little longer in between them, which is going to feel a little weird. Like you're going to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to you know, slowly work my way up to the, the, my, my heaviest weight right now. And then that heaviest weight, I want you to rest like two minutes in between it. And you're like, wait, what like rest? And I'm like, yes, actually rest. The rest is super important in the middle of this. Um, but yeah, definitely, lifting the weights, going to get the heavier weights. All my, my programs are all done at home. I've literally been telling everybody now, cause there's no excuses now with every, like there was a supply shortage for a while. I was like, you don't have excuses anymore. You guys can go to Facebook marketplace or you can go online and you can go get the heavier weights now. Like it's time for you to try and challenge yourself a little bit more. And it doesn't need to seem overwhelming. You don't need to be like, Oh, I got to lift crazy heavy right now and do all this stuff, like work your way up towards it. But you want to be challenged. Your body wants to feel challenged. If you're, if you're just kind of like lifting the stuff and just like throwing around again, it's good that you're moving, but like, it's time for you to maybe go up and increase your weight a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the rest aspect as well. Cause I think that's the other thing that it's less common, but it's easier to get in that more is better mindset and like, Oh, I'm just going to do a bunch more. I'm going to do them without stopping or whatever. And I know there's science around this that you could explain better than I can, but that break that two to three minutes is, I think the cutout, like that's the sweet spot, at least in between heavy lifting sets. And without that, you actually don't get as much benefit. Can you explain that?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's actually really important for you to take those rests, especially when you're trying to challenge yourself with your weight, because well, main thing honestly, is that you're going to be able to perform that better and that you're going to be able to keep the form perform better and stuff like that I also love what you said with more isn't better my coach always told me more isn't better better is better and it's so important to know that because when I'm seeing people just throw around their body and doing all this crazy stuff, I'm like, let's slow it down. Let's understand what we're working and things like that. Um, and actually right now this is, I'm not exactly sure when this podcast coming out, but I have a core program. That's where a lot of my stuff started. Um, it's core revolution program. It all goes back to basics and really, again, understanding your body. And it's, it's only takes like, maybe like, yeah, like maybe 15 to 20 minutes a day or whatever to do it. But it's just like with the lifting, it's like we are slowing it down. We are understanding each movement. And a lot of that stuff after people will come back to me and be like, oh, wow, I'm super happy that you explained that to me. Because for me personally with Ninja Warrior, I always thought more was better because I was throwing my body, flinging myself around the bars, doing all this stuff and doing these big explosive, crazy things. And then I tore my ACL, not really because of my knee, but because I didn't have a strong foundation and I didn't do those simpler things. I didn't really focus on, you know, again, the basics that were really going to help me become the athlete I wanted to become, or, you know, have the body that I wanted. So just bringing everybody back and it's
1: like, let's just take it back for a second. (laughs) I think it's really important. And I, a f- friend of mine, Naval Ravikant, he talks a lot about the benefits of compounding. And most people understand this in the terms of finances and compound interest and compound investing. But I find this is also really helpful just to have top of mind when it comes to strength and fitness, because it's like over time, if you keep the consistency, more is not better in the moment or in the day. But over time, you actually, it's easier to stay fit when you're already fit. And it's easier to get stronger when you're already stronger. And those compounding benefits, it's like stair steps. And every time you get a little bit higher up. And then it's, it's easier to maintain that as your baseline.
0: I think the issues is people want it like all now, like they're like, I want it now,
1: now, now. And I get that with
0: everything, right? We all want it now.
1: <laughs> and another thing in the workouts we did when we were at the event is you incorporated sprints, which I love, because this is another thing I feel like isn't as common with women. And it's, amazing how how many benefits there are to sprints without having to do a lot. It's other like more is not better. You don't need to go do a hundred really hard sprints to get the benefit. And at least the studies I've seen, it's actually a short, pretty small number of sprints at pretty intense effort lead to really amazing results. So talk about sprints, because this is something all of us can go do wherever we live.
0: Oh yeah. I'm obsessed with sprints. Actually. Yeah. My, in my strong feels good programs. I have them like, especially with a month, 20 something, they have their sprinting two times a week, no matter what. Um, and it's not, yeah, it's not a lot. What I normally do for the sprints personally is I would do a 15 minute sprint. And what I do is I can either find a spot on the track or I find a spot outside and you really should try and do it outside. Um, you can do it on the treadmill. You can do it on treadmill, but I do prefer people to try and go outside so they can really get the full effect of what the sprint is supposed to do for your body. And we normally sprint for like 30 seconds on like as fast as you can, or again, maybe it's, you're on the track and you're just sprinting the straight as fast as you can. And then you just walk the corner and you just keep doing that for 15 minutes. Or again, you can only, you only need to do for 15 minutes. You can do it for like 10 minutes or whatever it might be. But what's so good about sprints is you are using your entire body. You're using your arms, using your core, you're pushing through your legs. And if you see a sprinter's body, like in the Olympics and stuff like that. I mean, they have an amazing, like, look at, look at, just look at their bodies. <laughs> they have amazing body, muscular, muscular everywhere. And for me, my friends were always like, you know, how did you get your legs and your butt to look like they do right now? And I'm like, honestly, I sprinted. It was really just the sprints, hill sprints, regular sprints, all stuff like that. And again, I know sprints also can seem very intimidating. So you might be listening to this and being like, oh my goodness, sprints just start somewhere. And it doesn't have to be like an all out sprint. So I always tell my clients, they start like, in their sprint, like start at 50%. And then each time, so you can go a little bit more and that last one, go all out and go, go as fast as you can. But yeah, if you're consistent with those like two days a week, I mean, for my bird, my body personally, I saw such amazing results and it's good for everything that you do. If you're trying to work towards the sprints and you're still having like maybe issues with, and you're just not sure. Another great thing that you can do is step-ups step-ups are great for the glute and they're basically simulating the same exact thing as a sprint. So like get a box or use your, use your couch or something like that. Put your foot on it, step up, knee, drive up, use your arms and come back down. So I'll have my clients do that. If they're like, really like, oh, I can't get outside or like, I don't know, like a little nervous about this. they will do that instead. And they'll do the same type of thing. They'll be like 20 seconds or 30 seconds on, they will take a minute break and then I have them do it again and repeat.
1: That's a great tip. And I, I loved when I started learning about sprints because they do, it's like, they biomechanically turn on a switch which leads to more lean muscle mass without doing a lot of them and i remember growing up kind of in the culture where everybody was doing like three mile runs and all these things and when i learned about sprints i was like this is awesome because i've always like i don't love running and i really don't love distance running so when i was like oh we can actually do way less of this and get more benefit i'm a 100 percent in for that yeah running can
0: running is great also it can become addicting in a way, um, which I feel like I've had a lot of clients who just like, don't want to stop. Like they're running a lot, a lot, a lot. And that's again, if your goal is like, you got to do a marathon, whatever, I get it. You're probably gonna have to run a little bit more, but be careful of just being like, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run because it does kind of like beat away at your body a decent amount. If you're doing it a lot, um, and you'll see that you'll see that a lot, which is why you need to pair it with strength training or sprinting and stuff like that. There's a lot that goes into that, but yeah, definitely being careful about just being like, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run because at the end of the day, that's not You won't see that all the results that you want by just doing that.
1: Yeah. And especially, like you said, if running is the goal, that's one thing. But if the goal is actual like strength and fitness, you can get there with doing a lot less running, which to me was great news. And to your point as well, if you look at a sprinter's body in the Olympics versus a marathoner's body, I'm like, if I had to choose, I want sprinter's body. And also I can do less to get there. That's awesome. I'm a hundred percent in for that.
0: So you can find the fine balance of them both. Right. And you're going to, if everyone always asks, just like you were saying, how like you know, how long is it going to help me to get my pull-up or cardio? How much cardio should I do? I get that one all the time. And again, it's going to depend on you. For me personally, when I was doing three days a week of steady state running and then two days of sprints, I was wait, I was all my muscles disappearing, I was, I couldn't hold on to anything. So for me, okay, cool. That was my experiment. I got to take, I gotta move this around a little bit. I take out one, like one or two of those steady states and are going to move the sprints around. Right. So really being like noticing that with your body, it's going to depend on you and what works best for you and you know how your body reacts to these things that you're
1: doing. So for people who are like somewhat time constricted, because moms, that's a big hurdle for a lot of us, what would be the optimal, like if you, if you only have limited time per day, this is the number of times per week. Like as an example, for me right now, I'm able to do three strength training workouts per week and usually two sprints. And then I'll just do gentle movement, active recovery stuff in between that. But like if, if time's limiting factor, what is the, what should we focus on in a given week?
0: Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's great. Like three days a week, two sprints. Perfect. I mean, you really, I feel like that's like really the ultimate and you plenty of recovery time and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think even for, for women, even, again, even think of it like two days a weekend, it could be totally beneficial and they can maybe put, um, you know, two days a week of strength training and then one sprint or something like that. Just like you can find normally find like 10, 15 minutes. I mean, I know it sounds like, impossible sometimes to do that, but you can normally kind of maneuver a way to, to figure out a way to get that in. It might take some time. You might have some trial and error, or you might have some times where you book it out and then like, it just doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I would try definitely two days a week. And then if you can get that extra sprint and awesome, you can also do like the sprints that same day, do a quick workout, get the sprints in. That'll be super beneficial for you, but any, honestly, anything will be beneficial, right? If you're, if you're honestly, if you're a mom right now too, and you're coming back and you've done nothing, anything. And that could just be like your walk. So many people again, want all these fancy things and stuff like that. When they, everyone just needs to come back to basics first before they go any fancier, right? If you are not getting enough sleep, if you're not getting some movement in by just walking and you're not eating food, like from at home and cooking, like those are three things you should start with first before you do anything and try and go any, any crazy with anything. See if you can do that first.
1: That's a great point. Yeah, I feel like there's this tendency to want to jump into the cool, new, shiny, biohacky things or latest supplement. And it's like 80% of it is truly your sleep, your just basic diet. And for me, getting morning sunlight in the morning, which helps that whole circadian cycle and makes those things easier. When you get those in, it's also easier to want to work out because you have the energy part dialed in. I've also had guests on here before that have talked about how we think we shape our environment. And that's true. We create what our house looks like but also our environment shapes us. And so I'm curious for you, any tips on how you use your environment to like naturally encourage, like I see you right now, people aren't seeing you in video, you're sitting on the floor, it looks like, and you're adapting to your environment, but any tips for adapting your environment to be movement friendly?
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, I definitely am a big, I'm a big environment person. My environment super affects me. So if I'm not in a good environment, I have a hard time doing anything or being motivated. For me, for like my space and like in my home right now, a big piece of it was making sure that it was pretty open, that I had enough like openness in here to make sure that I can really breathe. My bedroom is like, I won't put a TV in there. It's like very calm colors that I can like really get myself to kind of shut down, especially with somebody like, I'm sure the same way too. My brain's like always going, it needs to be a spot where I can like completely shut down. And yeah, I just kind of made my my space like very very inviting, um, which I didn't really have before. I was living in New York City for a while, I lived in like a closet, and that was like anxious in a box. Like it was just like how anxious can we get? Like let's get as anxious as possible. Everything being squished in there. So yeah, if you can, you know, really open up your space, and also making sure that environment wise, I have on my list. I have a list of things, and you might have this as well. They're my non negotiables that I do each day, and I write them on Instagram because it's for me, and also people are getting inspired and they're they're figuring out their non negotiables and. One of them is making sure that, you know, I journal, I meditate, I don't look at my phone in the morning. And I, at some point in the day, get outside, like you said, sunlight, some kind of sunlight to be like that kind of environmental stuff is going to do so much for you. And again, you may not see the effects of it right now, but if you are consistent with it, you will notice that you're calmer, that you're better to people. Everyone else around you is happier. Like it's just the whole thing that comes around with it.
1: I love that. And I will make sure I get from you links to all of your courses for people. I would definitely encourage them. But as we get to the end of our time, a few kind of rapid fire questions I love to ask. The first being, what is for you personally your 80-20 when it comes to health? You talked a little bit about your non-negotiables, but what are, what is your 80-20 things that you think provide the most benefit for the least investment in your own life?
0: Yeah. I feel like the, the, the most, the most thing that I, the best, the biggest thing that I do is making sure that I have the non-negotiables always done, no matter what, like this, that's like a priority, like n- nobody else is allowed to, to, to get in my way with that. Um, which again, is like the movement, the journaling, the meditating, I use headspace for um, for meditation. And I absolutely love it. Like scrolling less and stuff like that. But then also, since I am a very structured person, I also allow myself, this is like that 80, 20, right? This is like let me just make sure that I, I don't get mad at myself if it doesn't always go my way. Right. Maybe I can't wake up and do this whole entire thing in the morning and something gets in the way and knowing that that's okay. So I think that's my, also my, my 80, 20 is like, let me just be okay. If it doesn't actually like that, that doesn't happen. Cause the whole idea of this is not to stress me out. Right. It's like, okay, cool. Couldn't do it in the morning. Something crazy went on. I'll just do it later in the day. No big deal.
1: And then if there, is there a book or a number of books that have had a profound impact on your life? And if so, what are they and why?
0: Yeah. So I, take, I make it a point to read every single day. I read like five pages, like nothing crazy every day, but um, man, I've read a ton of different books. Um, one of them, I love make your bed. I thought that was a really good one, um, which is literally a commencement speech that a general had given about why it's super important to make your bed in the morning and how that sets up your whole entire life for success. It's not just about, I know as a kid, my mom was like, make your bed. And I'm like, Oh, like no one's coming in my room. Like who cares? But it's like so much more than just that. So I really liked make your bed. I really liked um, The Alchemist. I thought that was a great book because that's a story that kind of brings you into life. So it's not just like telling you things it's like the story that you're like reading and you're seeing how it unfolds, which I thought was really great. And then probably the one I just read that I really liked is Stop Acting Like You're Going to Live Forever. That's actually my friend's book. Um, I love reading my friend's books. um, I thought I've been writing books lately, I guess. Um, And that one's really cool because it's just like little things that you can do each day to like improve. And it's just little like two page things that you can read through. And I love that because it's like I don't have to think as much as I'm reading it. (laughs)
1: And then to wrap up, I often ask in the show notes of if you could give a TED talk in a week, what would it be about? And your answer that I have written down is what if it all goes right? And I think with our talk about mindset too, this is like a perfect place to wrap up. So talk to us about that.
0: Yeah. So what if it all goes right, which I event, well, I guess I'll just put it in the universe. Um, I want to write a book called that. What if it all goes right? And that's because these past couple of years, I've noticed that I've always been thinking in my head, like it's what's, what's going wrong. What's going to go wrong. This isn't going to work out. That's not going to happen. And when I was moving to Austin and I was, you know, getting all my things and all this stuff was happening at once instead of me, I was like, you know, what, I'm going to change this instead of me thinking, what if this goes wrong? What if it goes right? What if it goes right? So I would write out every single day as if it went right. Like, Hey, the move went great. This deal came through, like, and I wrote out as if it happened. And I wrote that every single day. And I swear it was a game changer. And it's also the sense of what if it all goes right? Like, those things that are going wrong are actually going right for you because they're steering you in the right direction, um, which you may not see right now. So I think there's such a big picture with that. And that may be. know when I tore my ACL that could have been like oh it all went wrong but it didn't go wrong it actually all went right it went exactly where it needed to be for me so that I could be where I am today so I definitely think that my TED talk would be on that
1: well I do hope you write that book and we'll have to do another round when you do but I love your work I'm so glad we got to meet at the event I appreciate so much that you're doing for the world and thank you for your time today yeah thanks so much for having me and then briefly where can people find you online I'll put the links in the show notes but I know you put out a lot of great inspirational content as well
0: yeah, of course. So you can find me on Instagram at Angela- dash, um, underscore uh, Gargano. Um, and you can always message me at any time. And for the podcast, yeah, I gave you guys a special link that has all the different things in there. There's a couple of different free things in there. There's a free core program. There's a free pull-up program. And there's a, there's a free trial for Strong Feels Good if you want to try it. And then all the other programs are listed under it. So just kind of figure out what's going to work best for you. And you can go through that. But feel free to reach me and message me at any time. Instagram
1: is really the place to go. That's where I don't really message everybody. Well, thank you so much. Of course. And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me?